what the young lady said was that I wrote the same, but I used different words. And I think that video illustrates so powerfully that words can be powerful. That words can change reality. You see, the life of that man that was sitting there with the can had a few moments of those passing by offering a coin. But with the simple change of a few words brought blessing, brought a change, brought a new experience. Words are powerful. You know, I first experienced probably uh, the power of words when I went to a mission trip for Guatemala. For eight years, I served as a single adult pastor at a church in North Dallas. And each year, we would go down on a medical-slash-construction mission trip. And I don't speak any Spanish, and my wife can attest to that when I try. But a few of our other team members evidently couldn't speak it well either. Our optometrist, for the whole week, meant to be saying, no glasses are necessary, goodbye. And at the end of the week, he wondered why every time that he would dismiss his patients, they would give him kind of a strange look until someone realized that what he had been saying to them is, I don't need glasses, bye. Or when one of our male singles meant to say, I'm embarrassed, but instead said, I'm pregnant. You know, the choice of words can be difficult in a foreign language, but also in our native tongue. And words can elicit joy or humor or great laughter, but they can also be the source of pain and hurt and destruction. My first disclaimer this morning is to say that this message about the power of words is that I am a work in progress. I don't have this together. And this is really one of the, out of the overflow of my heart is kind of where this message comes from. Because he even grew up in a family environment where words were hurtful. Where messages that were given, the anger, the hostility, the violence was painful. And so if you look at your own story, your own life, you may also realize that words can encourage or discourage. They can forgive or they can condemn. They can lift up or they can tear down or they can bring life or death to relationships. When you examine your own life, can you remember a time or place or person where just the choice word made a difference in your life? Whether it was a spouse, a family member, a coworker, a coach, or a teacher. You know, what's interesting is that many of our experiences of daily life, we cannot remember. But we vividly recall those times where a significant word made a difference, can't we? You know, as little kids, we were taught that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But it doesn't take long to realize that our experiences invalidate that statement. Words like, I can't stand you. I wish we were never married. I wish you belonged to someone else. I can't believe you're a failure. You get the picture? 
And another reason this is important to me, as I have shared, not only has that been something I've had to heal from in my own experience growing up in my family, but now as a husband, now as a father to two precious little boys, I desire more than anything else to build an environment of grace and peace and wholeness and well-being through the words that I say, through interaction with my spouse, through the words that I share with my boys, so that every night when I say prayers to them, the message I want them to hear after everything else has gone through the day is that I am proud of you. Lord, may they know that they are my son. With them, I am well pleased. I'm proud of you. Because I think words can impact our reality. And so this morning, I want to share two brief fundamental principles or fundamental realities from the story of God that hope makes a difference in the future that you experience. And the first is this. By our words, we have the ability to speak the life God intended into existence. Let me say that again. By our words, we have the ability to speak the life that God intended into existence. If the purpose and the vision of God for his family is to live in a place of wholeness, of peace, of well-being, of restoration and wholeness, you and I have the ability to speak that into existence. We read in Genesis, in the very, very beginning of the story, that God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke. His word brought creation into existence. He said, let there be water. Let there be an expanse in the sky. Let there be birds. Let there be creation. And then, in verse 26 of Genesis, The Trinity is gathering together after they spoke things into existence and said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. In verse 27, so God created man in his own image, both male and female, he created them. What that is, I think, trying to say is that in some ways, you and I are co-creators with the God. Now, I can't say let there be a dog or let there be a cat or let there be a mountain, but can I also, can I say let there be peace? Let there be well-being? Let there be a healthy and a secure child of the words that I use? Let there be a strong and a whole marriage of the words that I use? You follow me? That by those words, we can speak into existence the life that God desires. And that we can speak into existence possibly a business that can transform a culture and a society. That you and I as co-creators with God created in His image through His Spirit living in us can transform the world around us. Let me illustrate with this. See the contrast in this environment. I've called, this is a mother calling her child to dinner, who's notoriously late for coming to the table. And in an angry tone, yells at the top of her voice, I've called you into dinner three times already. I'm tired of you not coming when I call you. Why can't you be like the rest of this family? Now you get down here this minute, you little bubba. Okay? You get the environment. Versus, in a calm, firm tone, sweetie, I'm serving dinner in five minutes. I hope you'll join us. If not, breakfast will be served at the regular time. 
Wow. What environment have you created by the simple choice of your tone and choice of words? Teachers get this. Teachers that have studied love and logic get it. But it's not only the choice of the words, but sometimes it's the story that's been given to us by the words of others. This week, I was visiting with a friend of Mark Green, who is the founder of Mardell's. And every night, his mother would pray that he would become a pastor or he would become a missionary. And for years, he tried to live out that script. And it's not necessarily a bad script, right? There's other things that you could choose to do. But it wasn't what he was designed and made to do. And he was trying to live out a script that someone else had given. And if he had not been faithful to his call, to his story that God was trying to write, we would not be blessed with the many achievements, the many accomplishments that Mark Green has accomplished. Or maybe illustrated like this. My oldest son, who's nine, plays on a flag football team. And his team had a great year. And the coach, you could tell by his disposition and the manner that he used, was a believer. But the boys ended up playing in their version of the Super Bowl. However, they lost. And as we walked off the field, I was trying to encourage, hey, great, great job. You did a good job. And behind me, I heard a dad telling his son this. You have to play harder. That's not good enough. You've got to get a better effort than that. And in some ways, my heart broke because there's potential there. That the message that this young child is getting is that his self-worth, his identity, his affirmation is dependent upon his perfection of performance. And those messages, those scripts can impact our life and it can create a future. Mother Teresa once said, we are all pencils in the hand of God and we live a life that reveals this story that God is trying to create in us. But the challenge is some of us, maybe some of them here today, are trying to live out a script that others have given us. To be like the dad. To be like your brother. To be like someone else. Famous rabbi once said, at the end of my life, God will not ask me, why were you not more like Moses? But why were you not more like who I created you to be? Whose story are you living out of? Or it may be that we bought into the false story of Satan because from the very beginning, God was trying to paint this story in the garden of what life would look like. And Satan came along and said, hey, I've got a different one for you. Why don't you go do this? If you really want what you desire, go eat of the fruit. And I think that lie, that story that Satan is trying to give us is given over and over again. And it was illustrated last week with our speaker who shared that Satan's lies of defined experience, of happiness and fullness, was going to be accomplished through his relentless pursuit and the consummation of drugs, alcohol, and women, which only led to pain. What story are you living out of? The story of others, the story that Satan has given to you, or the story that God is wanting to write in your life? You see, when we believe the words of Satan, it results in a world of pain, of suffering, of hurt, of destruction, of despair, instability, hopelessness. You're like, okay, hush. (laughs) But that's not the end of the story. The good news is that God has promised to break in, to change, 
to restore, to redeem, to bring wholeness and well-being. All through the Gospels in the New Testament, when Jesus was speaking, he was speaking of the good news of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And I think what he was saying was, is that kingdom, which is the reign and the rule of God, is breaking in here and now. And so after he would share that message, you would see miracles occur. You would see changes occur. You would see lives healed. You would see relationships restored. You'd see new life. And I think what God was demonstrating through the lives of Jesus is that I am about changing reality. And that is the good news, that the, the life that we will experience ultimately, tastes or elements or small experiences that can be a reality here and now, Right? That the good news just isn't that your sin's forgiven and now you're in this holding tank called the church and you're just waiting for some day to go to heaven. The good news is that God wants to break in here and now to change your world. And may he do it through your words. That it's a kingdom that's invading history, bringing about a new order, a new life. So that this is why I think Jesus would say when he taught his disciples to pray, Thy kingdom come, say it with me, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't Jesus saying that the good news of the kingdom, even through speaking that prayer, that the invitation is, God, that this world that we're going to experience in heaven, would you make that a reality here and now to change the things around us? But it's not just a matter of choice. It's not just willpower and determination alone of changing our words. It's learning to arrange our lives around activities that will transform our hearts. Because by our words, we reveal who reigns within our hearts. By our words, we reveal who reigns in our hearts. The Gospel of John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And that word in the original language is somewhat of a technical term that can be somewhat associated with the mind of God, the reason, the logic of God. And that the mind of God is somehow displayed and put before us with the person of Jesus so that the wisdom, the grace, the rationale that God is about, we see that in the person of Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say, have this mind about you that was in Christ Jesus in Philippians 2.5. And he would go on to say in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who has taken over my heart and my mind. And in Romans 12.2 it says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That our ultimate goal is for God to conform our hearts and our minds to look more like Jesus. And when we do, our words will be changed. It's not self-determination. It's not just wisdom and logic of using better words. It's having a changed heart. So Jesus himself would say in Matthew twelve thirty four, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth What we are is disclosed by what we say. So maybe the point I'm trying to make is this. 
is that in Scripture, God is revealing to us that in order to join him in his mission, in order to come alongside the work of God through Christ, and to reflect his nature, reflect his character, to bring about the world that he desires, that he must transform our hearts and our minds. So that he can live in us to make a difference working through us to change the world around us. Bringing this a little bit closer to home, let me ask, when we're attacked verbally, what's our instinct? To fight back? To yell back? To defend? But if we're living out of a changed and a secure heart, we're reminded that the behavior of others does not set our standard of behavior. Or maybe put in a different way, we don't mirror the behavior that others display. That as people that are secure, strong in our identity in the Lord, that we reveal His nature and His character. And that by not mirroring what others do, can we not change a destructive spiral that only leads downward when instead of offering words of hate and pain back, we offer a blessing. We offer a word of grace. Today, the invitation is this, that many of us need a new reality. The reality is some of us have hearts that are hurt, that are broken, that are wounded, that are pained, and that we need God to break in. We long for him to do a work in our life so that things that are hurtful can be redeemed by his grace. Could it be also said of us that it was also said of Jesus in Luke 4.22 that all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips? What if that was said of us in our marriages? What if that was said of us, our children? What was what would be changed if that was said of students? What world would be created if that was said of us, our co-workers? So what do we do? How do we respond? My invitation for you is this, to begin with prayer to begin with confession. In order for us to bring about the reality that God desires and he intended from the beginning, in order for our hearts to be transformed into the words that overflow from our lives, look more like Jesus, we begin in prayer. Francis of Assisi once prayed, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me show love. Where there is injury, let me show pardon. Where there is doubt, let me display faith. Lord, grant that I may not so much seek to console, to be consoled, but to console. Let me not seek so much to be understood as to understand. To be loved, but to love. Or the psalmist in 1914 said, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
I'm going to invite the worship team to go ahead and make their way on up here. And as we do, I want to invite you to have some moments with God alone, with your words, with Him in prayer. My goal is to somewhat step out of the way to hopefully have created an environment for you to be thoughtful and reflective about the world that has been created by your words or the world that has been impacted by the words of others. And that in some transforming way that the Spirit of God and His life that is among us here in His presence, that you can invite and to make time and to make space for Him through prayer. And so I want to invite you to bow. And what I want to do in the next few moments is to prompt you into the heart of God just by some questions, just by some thoughts leading you in this time of guided prayer. I also want to say that some of you may have come this morning and you have not been able to hear a word I've been saying because what is on your heart, what has been pressing in so much, you need God to be a part of. And my invitation for you is that to bring those words, bring your heart to Him, whatever it is. But for others, let me invite you to make room for Him. And after our time here today, Bob, one of our elders, will be in the back. And if you want uh, additional prayer and support, the staff will also be in the welcome room. We invite you to do that. But would you bow and pray? Father, we do invite you into this place. And we ask that you speak a transforming word through your Spirit into our life today. the world that you've been creating with your words consistent with the peace and the love of God? Think about the relationships that are broken or that are wounded that have been the result of either words that you've used or words of others. Would you bring those relationships to his feet right now? Scripture tells us that by our confession that we are healed and maybe it's relationships that need to be healed and restored because you or I need to go to someone and to confess that by our words we have wounded and we have hurt. In your mind and in your heart, what faces, what people come to mind that you need to confess to? As you look back in your life, there may be wounds and hurts that are deeply embedded from long ago that have still not brought about wholeness and well-being, but are still a source of pain. Ask God to heal. Ask Him to break through in a mighty way so that the 
world that you will experience in heaven will be a present reality on earth as it is in heaven. Or maybe that you've been living out a script that others have given to you or others that have passed down to you. And you're tired of trying to please others. You desire to live out of your true nature that God has made you and called you to be. Ask Him to reveal a word to you. Ask Him to reveal a word or two is captures what he's calling you to be. For some here today, this may be the first time to hear the redemptive story of God and you desire to learn more about that story and express your desire to follow him, to live in his spirit. Invite him to pour his life into you now to transform it. Seek someone out here today to learn more. Lord, may the words of our mouth this week, may the meditation of our hearts be revealed through the words we use that will be pleasing in your sight. Lord, may you dwell in us richly to change the world, to allow you to live within us, to transform the reality around us. And the church said,